Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Coffee with Yvonne, a show for creatives and entrepreneurs. And I'm recording a little bit late tonight. It is 1013 at night, East Coast time. Um, One, because I'm just getting back from a birthday dinner for one of my best friends since middle school. We were celebrating her birthday. But also, two, I really struggle if I was going to record this week because, to be honest with you, it was a mixed bag of emotions for me. Um, This week, while we were celebrating my best friend's birthday on Monday, we buried one of our good friends from high school on Friday. And if you know me, you know I treat my friends like family. So it has definitely been a mixed bag of emotions for me all week. Um, The moments that I think I'm fine, I'm easily triggered by either a photo or a memory or even a song lyric that reminds me of the person that we lost. And it's especially hard because our group of friends was very close. We were really like family. So anyway, I'm here. I'm here to give you the best episode I can. So apologies in advance if I don't sound as cheerful as I normally do. I'm showing up for you the best that I can in the way that I can at the moment. So with that being said, grab your coffee and let's chat. As you know, before we get into this week's episode, let's get into our industry news segment, What's the Brew, that's brought to you by Black Nerd Coffee. It's founded by two HBCU grads. Black Nerd Coffee is a Black-owned, woman-co-founded e-commerce business. As a coffee roaster, they specialize in small batch roasted coffee in whole bean and ground finish. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Black Nerd Coffee. Coffee nerds unite. In our first story, Diddy Box into the Future, reported by Afrotech, media mogul, entrepreneur, and originator of the Diddy Bop, Diddy, Love, whoever he calls himself these days, is a new advisor for Proto, a company that has begun testing holoportation. And according to the article, the company's technology allows any person to beam to any location in real time when they cannot be there physically. Other investors include more mega-rich people like Quavo from the Migos, stakeholders for Uber and Tesla, just to name a few. Now, to make sure I knew what I was talking about, I did look up Proto on their website, and there is a video of Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, the TV show host, beaming into surprise her audience at uh, before a show. And it actually looks really cool, I'm not going to lie. And the pricing for Proto, it's not bad. It's, it's a little expensive, but the pricing starts at $2,000, which is relatively affordable if you think about it. 2K could be equivalent to almost an iPhone nowadays. So to buy a hologram for $2,000, if there's a payment plan, I might be into it. Let's see what happens. In our next story, Tommy Hilfiger redesigns fashion history. This was reported by The Root. Fashion designer Tommy Hilfiger becomes the latest company to use its platform to recognize the contributions of Black creatives. He recently launched a podcast called The Invisible Scene, Unsung Stories of Black Culture and Fashion. This is a limited five-part weekly series interviewing fashion historians, designers, stylists, curators, academics, and other expert guests like image architect Law Roach. In a statement, Hilfiger said, 
We are all responsible in shaping a future that is truly equitable for Black, Indigenous, people of color, creatives. It is incredibly meaningful that some of the most notable voices in fashion have come together to bring this podcast to life. It is necessary to step to acknowledge is I'm sorry, it is a necessary step to acknowledge, recognize, share and celebrate black con- contributions in defining modern fashion and culture. Now, I know what you're thinking, there is a rumor that has been flowing around for years which has proven not to be true about Hilfiger not wanting Black people to wear his clothes. This is indeed a rumor. He even went as far to go on Oprah, where the source claims he said the statement to clear up the rumor and has continued to deny these allegations about not wanting Black people to wear his clothes over the years. I myself have not listened to the podcast as of yet. It did launch in April, I believe April 10th to be exact. But if I do get a chance to listen to it, which is on my list of things to do, I will report back with an honest feedback about what I think about this show. In our final story, Lori Harvey collects another bag. This was shared on Lori Harvey's actual Instagram page. She is a notable it girl. Of course, if you know Lori Harvey, you know she is the stepdaughter to comedian and entrepreneur Steve Harvey. She continues to drink water, mind her business, and collect bags of money, okay? And she has been featured in numerous campaigns for like Michael Kors, Paper Magazine, just to name a few, really all the fashion girls. She's now the first cover star to be on Instagram's latest venture called The Zine, a digital magazine. I did a little Google search, and according to Social Media Today, The zine aims to highlight key content trends based on Instagram activity, as well as influential creators on the platform. On her IG page, featuring flawless content, by the way, from the photo shoot, Lori wrote, every day emerging creators, designers, personalities, and brands push the culture forward on Instagram while remixing and reshaping beauty and fashion as they challenge conventions, encouraging inclusivity, and push boundaries. That is why each season, the zine uncovers the emerging and niche forms of self-expression, visual aesthetics, and is more inspired by young people who are sparking conversations around authenticity and identity. I am proud to be part of this launch as the zine's first cover star. Keep collecting bags, sis. I am mad at you. This week's interview is brought to you by PG County Apparel. I've shared on this podcast before and to anyone who listens how proud I am to be from Prince George's County. As one of the most affluent Black communities in the nation, Prince George's County is home to everything from sports and entertainment to business and pop culture. PG County produces excellence and should be celebrated. Show off your county pride with PG County Apparel, with clothing and accessories to represent your region. Visit pgcounty.com to check out their site or find them on Instagram at PG County, spelled P-G-C-N-T-Y. For listeners of this podcast, you can use promo code PGPINK10 for 10% off. Rep PG. Joining me this week for coffee is Garrett Turner. Garrett is the founder of Brightly Ever After, and she has created a company that is known for its Instagrammable moments, from amazing flower walls to neon signs to even string art, which is mad dope. But She has worked with so many different brands from LaCroix to even Bruno Mars. 
And not only does she create opportunities for other women, but she also creates them for creatives of color to elevate their business and give them opportunities that they normally would not be presented with. I had a great conversation with her about what inspired her to start this business. And it, she took a tragic moment in her life and has turned into something that has created not just memories for herself, but opportunities for her and her dad, who is 92, by the way, to work together on bringing these projects to life. So please enjoy my conversation with the amazing, creative, and extremely colorful, like me, Garrett Turner. <clears throat> we got to do a proper introduction. All right, let's do it. Okay. Hi, everyone. So as I mentioned, I have another special guest joining me for coffee this week. All season long, by the way, I have had major bosses, leaders, creatives, all that good stuff on the show. And we're actually getting to the end of our first, is it the first season? No. First season as a podcast, third season as Coffee with Yvonne. I've known Garrett for about a year now, and Garrett is identifies as she and her, just FYI, but she is just an awesome creative. I'm excited to have on the show today. So before we get started, I got to read her bio to make it official <clears throat> in my broadcaster voice. Garrett Turner turned a personal loss into an opportunity to change the course of her life when she started Brightly Ever After in 2016. She and her then 88-year-old dad Found joy in building four, four foot marquee ladders. Is that a foot, Garrett? Okay. <laughs> Math was never my strongest subject. Anyway, together in his garage and launched the first light up letter and flower wall rental business in the DMV. As Garrett continued to hone her craft, build industry relationships, and expanded her team, she integrated custom backdrop design, in-house laser cutting, and large-scale floral installations into her offerings. Brightly, installations have now become local famous photo destinations for influencers throughout the DMV. She and her team have created activations for brands like LaCroix, L'Oreal, Smithsonian, the Washington Capitals, Washington Wizards, MGM, and more. Not only is she a major boss and total awesome creative, she is the mom of two awesome young sons, Ford and Chance, and wife to Greg. They live in a tiny house in Falls Church, Virginia, that is filled with love and crafting supplies. She hopes her story will inspire others to find courage to pivot their careers and uncover their innate creative abilities. And with that, welcome to Coffee with Yvonne Garrett! so happy to be here Yvonne I feel like from the moment we first worked together I think it was last summer yes I just loved your vibe I feel like we just bounced off of each other and it's really fun to talk to you in this context and not necessarily just about work you know I mean it's not work but not about work so work ish work ish yeah work ish work ish you know before we get started it's like so hard for like people to understand my creative mind sometimes and when I met you and you got it I said oh my gosh can we get creatively married it just makes sense I absolutely remember that first phone call and I was like okay, I think we're going to make like beautiful music together. We just like, we're <laughs> bouncing off each other so easily. And uh, the rest has been history. So I'm excited to keep creating with you. Yes, yes. And you know what? Today is going to be a fun interview, Garrett. I Like I mentioned before, everyone I have brought onto the show are people I've either known for years or just creatives I've vibed with over time. And you're one of them. First question for you, Garrett. Your work is a combination of whimsy and fantasy that brings joy to those who engage with your installations, me included. 
Uh, what inspired you? I know you mentioned it briefly in your bio, but what inspired you to start Brightly Ever After? You know, Brightly Ever After, honestly, was it's it's kind of a happy accident. I didn't plan on starting it. Um, it's not cre- creativity and art and that type of thing is not my background. Um, I actually was a journalism major and I worked in political communications for about 20 years prior to starting Brightly. Um, and Brightly started, my mom got sick. So I had, I was a communications director in the Senate and I had a six month old baby and my mom was a paraplegic for most of my life. So I'd always been in a caretaker role, but she, they always said to me when I left for college, you know, pursue your dreams, pursue, pursue your life. Don't feel like you need to stay back to help with your mom. And I always appreciated that, but you know, you always feel called back home a bit. And I had been reflecting a lot about what my future was going to look like, uh, with a new baby. And one spring morning in 2016, I was driving to work. I remember I had a missed call from my dad. I got to my desk and I listened to the voicemail and it said, I couldn't wake your mom up this morning. She's in a coma. She's in the hospital. Um, she had gotten sepsis from, uh, some wounds she had from being in a wheelchair. And at that moment, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to be able to speak to her again. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to have more time with her. They lived locally at that point. I'm from Honolulu, but they had moved to Mount Vernon about three years prior to this happening. And, um, I was sitting at my desk working on an op-ed. I was like, I have to go to the hospital. But of course I finished the op-ed first because you know, personal yes. life takes the backseat to everything, everything when you're working for the man. <laughs> and, um, went to the hospital and just realized that my mom's time on earth was probably very short. So my office was very understanding about it, but having a newborn at home and then also having to help with my mom in the hospital, we prayed a lot and she did end up coming out of the coma, but we knew that she was still at the end of her life. So her goal was to make it home. And the only way that was going to happen, because her case was so complicated was for me to be able to help my dad because he was 88. Uh, Home care wasn't an option. So it needed to be us doing it. And I quit my job. And I would never trade that time for anything. It taught me so much. I also would have never had the balls to leave my job if my mom hadn't gotten sick. I'd been unhappy for a long time, but you know the money's good and you settle in and you feel comfortable and you're not totally sure of yourself. Um, And my mom blessed me with the ability to say goodbye to a career that I was no longer happy with. It was no longer fulfilling me. I was able to spend the end of her life with her. I was able to spend time with my dad and help him through that transition as well. And I felt inspired. My dad's a really great carpenter. So I took a table saw class and we started building together in the garage at that time. And I had seen these light up marquee letters in Europe and in Australia on Instagram. And I was like, no one does that here. I'm going to sketch them on graph paper and start drawing them and build them with my dad. And 
we built out a set of love letters and we started renting them in the DMV. Um, I saw flower walls in Australia also. I ordered all these flowers from a supplier in Asia. My husband was like, you're never going to see those flowers. They actually showed up on my doorstep the day my mom passed away. And uh, I glued it all by hand and started trying to network. And the rest was history. You know, like we started as just a simple rental company. And now it's just gangbusters. And I, it was not in the plan at all. I wanted more time with my kids. I wanted more time with my family. Um, but instead I found a lot of happiness and now I still want more time with my family and friends, but, uh, (laughs) it's been really cool to create something for myself and, and create it from probably the hardest time in my life and instead just make this magic out of it. So yeah. Sorry, that was a little long-winded. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. It's I always love knowing the inspiration about people's why they start their business. You know, like I've shared my why with quite a few people. Um, and then, you know, growing up with a mom who still crafts to this day, but I appreciate the work that goes into building something from nothing. Because when you mentioned that glue gun, I grew up with my mom having like her main glue gun and then like the mini one that would help her. Yeah. Put things you got to get that glue gun. That's like the Mondo glue gun. That fits yes. like the huge sticks, mm-hmm. has the low, high temperature options, the different tips. I've burned my finger many a time. <laughs> oh yeah. A crafting project. So I totally get it. <laughs> and it's like, you know, knowing that you got your inspiration from other places, but then you took it and you curated it for the audience here in the DMV. It's not something everyone can do, you know? Yeah. So you've managed to, create these Instagrammable moments. And for those who don't know, if you don't live on IG, Instagrammable moments are when you create an activation or an install that makes people engage by taking a picture or creating content. Why do you think, Garrett, that desire for that kind of experience has risen in recent years where people are like literally putting together whole photo shoots just to go stand in front of these dope flower walls that you've created and your team has created? You know, I think that it adds just a little magic to the everyday. Um, and that, I mean, there's good and bad things about that, right? People often say that Instagram isn't reality. Well, you know what? Reality is filled with awesome moments and really crappy moments. But people just want to add a little magic to their feed. They want to see and be seen. I think there's a little bit of ego to it, to be honest. Um, but uh, it's just fun and it brings joy. And j- I think joy is what we need a lot of in this time. Um, obviously, I started Brightly before the pandemic. And uh, it was really focused at the time that I started it more on weddings and creating like a memorable moment, a keepsake, that snapshot from the event that you can keep with yourself and look at it and have a happy memory. Post pandemic, And post the advent of TikTok generation, it really is about showing, showing off, showing out, you know, a little bit of fear of missing out. You want to be like, I was here and I did this. And it's almost like a digital scrapbook elevated. I love Um, that, Garrett. Digital scrapbook. That's what it is. Like, I don't keep a scrapbook. I don't print up my pictures anymore that a lot of my friends do. And I wish I was better at that. But (laughs) me too. um, I mean, it 
conjures up a memory when you look at that photo. It is great for marketing uh, for brands because people want to take pictures there and it just helps elevate it and blast it out and makes people kind of want to do a pilgrimage to where the activation is to show that they were there. Um, I do think a big part of it is ego. I mean, in, uh, influencers in the wild is one of my favorite Instagram handles, you know, when people catch other influencers doing their like poses and funny stuff in the street. Um, and I don't think we're to that extreme, but I really think it's just about bringing joy and magic, especially post pandemic. People are getting back out there. They want to feel happy. They want to make other people feel happy. They want to remember these moments and celebrate a little. And that's what we're in the business of helping make happen these days. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up a good point, too, that people like going out and creating these moments or a digital scrapbook as you coin the phrase. You own it now, Garrett. It's yours. <laughs> By the way, one of my favorite installs you've done besides um, our famous naughty and nice sign Gosh, I love that <laughs> which everyone Garrett is still talking about FYI is girl the- I have that naughty uh neon sign I think you might need it in your house I mean I'm, <laughs> here, I'm here for it you know dress up my closet dress up I my know. closet <laughs> but one of my other favorite ones you did is for uh LaCroix I think it's pronounced LaCroix for- forgive it me it is pronounced LaCroix okay. I, I, I took French for years you know seven years of wasted French uh <laughs> Conveniently, but, in, inconveniently enough. But one um, of the other ones you did is uh, for Lacroix. Is there the one you did with like beverages? I think it was balloons and a combination of flowers. What like what is your creative process with coming up with all these ideas? Like, there's so much living in your head that you make come to life. How do you do it? How do you do it? You know, that's a great question because I'm still trying to figure out how I do it. Uh, one of my <laughs> one of my mottos in life throughout everything is fake it till you make it. And I remember when I was dating, when I was young and I would like be unsure about a relationship. One of my closest friends was like, girl, you got to fake it till you make it. If you don't feel confident, just act like you feel confident. I applied that to my journalism and political communications career. I applied that to Brightly Ever After. And now I'm starting to realize, okay, maybe I got something. Maybe I got something in this head of mine, you know? Um, It really comes down to listening to the client, seeing the space, seeing what we're pushing, what the branding is, what the product is. And I also love to bring in as many other creatives as I can, especially when you're working with a client that has a great budget. Um, I love to make money, but I also love to empower other creatives. And with that LaCroix installation, I knew they wanted balloons. Um, I knew that they wanted to fill about a 25 foot space. That's really difficult for me with, with just a back, a backdrop or a build out, you know? Um, but I wanted to bring in my friend, Michaela moments by Mick. She's such a talented balloon artist. And Sometimes other artists don't get these opportunities with big brands, and I want them to have these opportunities and get these exposures, especially in all honesty, um, clients of other races and other other colors, you know, 
there is so much talent out there, especially in the DMV. And I've been very fortunate to attract attention from our Instagram and from our installations that we've created. But I try to look at the styles of other creatives as well and think, how can I integrate that? How can I bring them in? How can I create other opportunities? And working for clients with great budgets is a great opportunity to do that and help elevate everyone. You know, like a rising tide elevates all ships. I don't think that's the exact phrase, but it's close. So, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I try to integrate uh, my favorite greenery or floral suppliers. I try to integrate my favorite balloon artists my favorite designers, bring in a lot of different people and um, say, how can we one-up? How can we do better than the last thing we created? How can we capture the client's vision, but also add a little bit of a twist that's unexpected? So we had, they wanted palm leaves. We brought in these gorgeous, uh, huge philodendron leaves that are all tropical and curvy from I think Costa Rica, we flew them in from. I always want to bring a little bit of a wild card. You know, we did this one string art installation, which maybe I'll talk about later more, but it was, I love you so much. We did it at Village at Leesburg. That was my first Village at Leesburg install. Um, and I wanted to do a string art, but I was like, string art is awesome. And large scale string art is awesome. But you know, it's really awesome. Light up large scale string art because it's going to get lost at night. But if you add lights to it, it's going to be like, bam, you know, people are going to remember it. And that, I mean, it was published in magazines. It was all over the place. I don't know where this stuff comes from. I think it's, a, I'm a little crazy, but crazy like a fox, you know, in a good way sometimes. I mean, all creators <laughs> are a little crazy. Like yeah. this, this is a smidgen of crazy. You have to be like a little crazy to come up with the stuff that lives in our head and then try to explain it to people who don't understand you. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of break down. I, I like to say it, um, Garrett, like there's a lot of splashes of color living yeah. up here, but I have to explain it to people who live in black and white, why this splash of color makes sense for them to be part of it or want to invest in it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I lived in black and white for a long time. And in all honesty, I didn't even know that I had a creative bone in my body. I sat at a desk. I studied journalism and politics. I literally wrote in a 65-year-old white man's voice for 20 years of my life, you know? And now I can be myself and splash color everywhere and be a little crazy. And I never really felt like I fit in in my old job. And now I don't need to fit in anymore, you yeah. know? I can be myself. And that's it's just, it's such an awesome thing when I think about it. And you can tell the joy that it reflects in the work that you make because you mentioned Village at Leesburg. For those who don't know, I work a full-time job. If you have not listened to the podcast before, but I'm a nine to fivepreneur and I work as a marketing manager for Village at Leesburg and a couple other large scale centers in this area. Anyway, Garen and I worked together on creative projects and she mentioned that I love you so much that she's done for our center. She's also done our holiday campaign, Naughty or Nice, which we'll get into as well. And then finally, our wish marquee letters. But she helps us create these Instagrammable moments. But for those who think that that's something you can do for $25, it is not. 
Yeah. Like it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of skill. And then from the creative side, you have to make sure you're clear with what you want to do with these teams. You just can't say you want to slap something on a sidewalk and call it a day. You have to have it anchored down. You have to make sure the color story makes sense. Your audience makes sense. It's a lot of thought process that goes into creating one Instagrammable moment that is not going to live there forever. So I just want to throw that sidebar out there for those of y'all who are not aware of how much work it takes to create one activation. Thank you for that sidebar. <laughs> because you are absolutely right. Absolutely right. And that's something I had to learn too, you know? Yeah. You learn by doing sometimes. Yeah. And you've worked with a number of different clients from like retail with me to celebrities like Bruno Mars. I love that little man, by the way. <laughs> no, and I'm from Hawaii and he's from Hawaii. So that one is so special to my heart. It was special to my dad too. <laughs> I love it. But how do you manage to, your workload to create a valuable experience? Like, do you use Google Docs or are you like, you know, is your team always on chat? Are there like, you know, uh, systems and operations in place to help you keep everything together? Or is it just kind of like you roll with the flow? Okay, so it's a little bit a combination of each. I have a wonderful team, a very small team, but I could not do it without them. And one of my most valuable assets is my uh, virtual assistant, Cindy. She was a wedding planner in DC for um, some very upper echelon, well-known, highbrow weddings and events before she started as a virtual assistant. And she just realized that her joy and strength was really on the organization side. And my joy and strength is really not on the organization side. That's actually my the bane of my existence. So uh, one day I was the beginning of Brightly, maybe about a year and a half in, I was crying on the couch in my living room being like, I'm so busy. I can't even get back to clients. I'm losing money by the day because I build. I'm on a ladder, you know? She reached out to me and I felt like it was a sign from my mom or something. I literally was crying on a couch when she emailed me. And she was like, hi, I follow you on Instagram. I'm starting my own virtual assistant company. I feel like you could really use some help. I'm interested in helping you. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then I was like, yes. <laughs> Before I could even like think it in my head, I was like, yes. Um, and Cindy's brought me so much confidence. She runs our backside. Like, oh, no, I shouldn't say she runs our backside. <laughs> the back end of our business, like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> um, if you email us, first and foremost, you'll talk to Cindy. She gives out general pricing, asks the questions I need to know about dates, location, type of event, inspiration, things like that. Um, we get so many inquiries and so many creative entrepreneurs are like this. You know, it's, I feel so fortunate to get so many, but I can't, I can't deal with it. I don't have the bandwidth for it. So she kind of weeds through them and see who's serious, who we have availability for. Um, and we use HoneyBook. I use HoneyBook for all of my, sorry, that took a long time to get to, all of my um, invoicing, proposals, et cetera. I was one of the first HoneyBook sub subscribers. So I, um, I paid like a flat rate and I have a lifetime subscription. Ooh. Which I feel fortunate that I got in early, but I really highly recommend it. Um, you can have all your templates on there. So you have automatic pamphlets and 
um, flyers you can send to people with your pricing, photos, et cetera. So you have auto replies until you kind of get to the nitty gritty. Um, and then otherwise I use Canva for a lot of my design work now. Uh, for a long time, I didn't know what I was doing. It's funny because I'm a creative, right? But I'm not a trained creative. So I don't know how to use Illustrator very well. I'm learning. None of us um, do. <laughs> yeah. uh, I always say to my clients, and, and my mock-ups now that I'm starting to use Canva really do truly oftentimes reflect what the final product's going to look like. The final product, of course, is always better. But my, I used to always be like, hey, I'm going to send you a mock-up. Please don't laugh at it. I'm not like scaled on the computer. Um, yeah. But Canva's helping a lot. And those are really our, our two main workflow things. Um, it's just, it comes down to me just needing to find good people and not be afraid to spend the money. I found that if I spend a little money, I make a lot more money. It's scary. You know, it's scary because you start this job because you want to be on your own and you want to be successful and you want to bring in income that can give you independence. Mm-hmm. So paying that money out is not what you necessarily want to do, but sometimes you have to. And, you know, you bring up a good point because you you have to keep in mind that when you are building a team, you want to build quality, like a quality team and trying to skimp on things like, you know, like you mentioned, your virtual assistant paying her what she's worth and your team what they're worth. It's, it's important because that way you get quality work and you get more results and more income, like you said. Absolutely. I try to pay my team very well. I keep a small, tight team. They're all very talented. I couldn't do it without them. I want them to know how much I appreciate them. Mm -hmm. And they show up for me. I show up for them personally, professionally, in every way, you know. When you promote your work, are you advertising at all? Like, you know, paid advertising or anything? Or is it mainly word of mouth? I've never paid for advertising. And that's something that I... I'm very passionate about. I will say I've done things for free and at a discount, which is kind of like paying for advertising. Um, but I've never actually paid for print advertising or uh, audio ads or anything like that. Um, I think because I worked in journalism for so long, there's just something about earned media that I find very attractive that I know people are going to take more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's also something about just being as authentic as I can be. Um, I don't want people to think they're getting canned ads. I don't want people to think that they're getting canned rentals. I want them to see me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want them to see what goes into the work and get a good reputation and have word of mouth just spread about us. And that's really been how we've grown and how we've gotten the reputation that we've gotten. In the end, the buck stops with me, you know, and I want to work my butt off to get my jobs and earn that reputation. I don't want to pay for fake content. And that's just my personal opinion. In the beginning, I did a lot of stuff for free. I remember my first flower wall and I was alone, you know, so I would be out there hustling, doing events with the flower wall for maybe a hundred dollars, picking things up in alleys alone at midnight, you know, um, Even now I'll do things periodically, really less so post COVID because 
we did lose a lot of money during COVID. And now things are rolling again. But at the same time, our time is so valuable now. Because anytime we do anything, it means we have to say no to other things because we are so small. If I do something for free or at cost, I will make sure my team is paid for always. Some things, some work begets better work, you know, and I, I try to see that and kind of see how one job is going to branch out to other jobs if it's worthwhile or not. But unfortunately, I can't do that as much anymore because of the nature of the business. But in the beginning, I hustled for a very little amount of money. Um, and I think it paid off in the long run. But started from the bottom. Now we're here. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Building everything. Because I remember my first job, Garrett, I worked for $200 for a job. I was just so excited to like have someone hire me, but that $200, I worked for three months. And when I did the math, I was like, you work for free essentially. So it's just what you're worth over time. It just takes time. Absolutely. It takes so much time and it takes time to gain that confidence and kind of realize, I mean, now I have two kids at home, right? So Mm -hmm. time is money. Time is is me, me doing jobs is me losing time with them, me losing time for myself, me losing time with my husband. And it's just got to be worth it. It's got to be worthwhile to me and my team. And I hope that at this point, I've earned a reputation that makes people know that we're a good investment. You know, Um, I hate saying no all the time, when we get certain inquiries that want us to do things for uh, just Instagram posts, things like that. But everything's so expensive now. It's just very difficult to do things like that anymore. Yeah. And for creatives who are learning how to manage a business, it can be hard, especially when all you want to do is like create and live in your craft. What are you, what have you learned and what are you still learning about building and growing your business? You know, my dad laughs at me all the time because we're based out of his house in Mount Vernon. Not really. We're based in Falls Church, but we, we work out of his garage because I don't have a garage. And uh, it's a mess. We are not organized. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this. We do beautiful work. We're very organized when it comes to the projects that are in the works at that moment. But the back end is a mess. We don't have organizational systems for our... Um, inventory. We have a lot of inventory, a lot of inventory I need to get rid of, you know, but hoarders going to hoard. And this is like, I could use that in three years for this or that. I just need to let go. There's some amazing people in the industry, like Sweet Root Village, who are very candid about their warehouse organization and operation. And they have warehouse sales all the time and get rid of what they don't need. So other creatives can take advantage of their inventory. And I need to start doing similar things, but I need to learn how to be better on the back end. Uh, I've learned slowly but surely that it is okay for me to hire people to help with things. I have an accountant now to help with my taxes. I have Cindy, I mentioned before, my assistant um, to help with my emails and invoices. I have a wonderful new team member named Alexis who recently started in December. And she's almost like an extension of me creatively. Um, She helps me on floral installations, painting, all these things. It's what I needed for a long time. I got Thomas, my partner, my right-hand man. He's the brawn. He's the beauty, he likes to say also. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I can't do everything. And that's the most important thing I've learned. Um, 
one of the biggest pains in the ass about running a business, and I think this is for lots of creatives, is dealing with government stuff, dealing with taxes stuff, dealing with licenses, dealing with all that. We're so busy creating and honing our craft and being in the thick of it that we're not on a computer printing up documents and filling things out and checking boxes and all these things. And then you get letters in the mail being like, you need to apply for this license. You need to do this. And you're like, you do? Like, there's really nowhere that tells you all the things you need to do. You know, especially in the DMV dealing with DC, Maryland, Virginia, all these different governments, all these different nuances to the rules. And it's just, it's a real pain in the butt, you know? (laughs) Um, And that's not why we get into it. And that red tape is really difficult, but unfortunately it's something we have to deal with. So that's where I'm still trying to gain strength, but hiring people to help, I think is very, very important. Um, and then you go from there, right? Stay what you're strong in and hire other people for what you're weak in. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right because I have what I like to call my momager. She is my reality check when it comes to a lot of stuff. Because as a creative, like, like I just want to do X, Y, and Z, and my mom's like, yeah, but X, Y, and Z cost X equals Y plus yeah. money. You know, I don't know if that's the right formula. Just roll with it. Anyway, it, I'm learning how to as well let go of having, like you said, have my hand and control of everything and then bringing in my fellow creators who are stronger in other areas as me, because I forgot who said it. I don't know the exact person, but I think it was Jay-Z actually. Always hire more people who are smarter than you to do the jobs you cannot do, but could do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think he said it. I could be wrong, but it's, and it's like, Oh my gosh, call up my husband. (laughs) That's your husband. But like but you realize that you are smart in certain areas, but you can't be smart in all of these areas and do everything well because something's gonna drop. So absolutely. And you know what? There I I mentioned this before, but it is the truth. There are lots of creatives out there in the DMV who are very talented and they make me look good and I make them look good, you know? And together we make magic. And I think that's perfectly fine. I don't need to do everything. I know how to do balloons because I have amazing people I've worked with, like Taryn from Anelia Rose and Moments by Mick and Sweet Gifts, who I work with them a lot. And they've taught me and I, I help them style and create when we're together. But yeah, it's okay to depend on other people. It's okay to branch out. I've learned that in my work, there's a difference between copy with taste and copy and paste. Yeah. Being transparent, have you ever experienced someone copying your ideas and passing them off as your own? And if that's the case, how do you protect your work? I mean, I feel like we're all inspired by other people, right? In this Instagram age, we're all scrolling searching out the content we're interested in. And if, if you're in the business of creating Instagrammable backdrops, if you're in the business of creating floral or art installations, you're searching them that out. And if you aren't searching that out, it's going to end up in your feed anyway, because that's what you're sharing. So I know there are times where I see things or other people see my work and they're inspired by it, but you don't necessarily remember where you saw it. And then you're creating and suddenly you're sketching something that you've seen somewhere before. 
and you don't necessarily realize it. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, I have experienced one time in particular that was so frustrating. And this was not the this was not the vendor's fault in the long run. This was the client's fault. But a client reached out for to me and asked me to create a backdrop, a birthday backdrop installation. And I did a design for them. It was my fault because I've learned my lesson prior to them at this point. At this point, I was not charging design fees and I was not charging deposits to begin the design process. Since this happened, I do do that. And it's really just to protect my work and protect my designs and my intellectual property. But I did a design. I sent it to the client. The client ghosted me. They ended up sending the exact design to someone else in the DMV who I follow and we're friends. They did not know it was my design because I didn't have like a watermark or anything on it. I just like did a quick mock-up and sent it. And then one day, the day before the party, they didn't book me, but I was on Instagram scrolling through and I saw my design just being painted, my exact design, like literally down to the fonts, the same laser cuts, everything. And I was like, yo, to the, to the person. And she was like, Hey, I go, is this that party in X? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, that's my design, like my exact design. And, uh, she was so apologetic. She was horrified. She's like, the client sent it to me. I was thinking like, this is a really nice design. I wonder where she got this. She's like, but I didn't ask. And I just made it. And I was like, you know what? Go for it. Kill it. And she did, she did a great job on it and she shared it. And she was like, I'm going to credit you with the design. I was like, don't worry about crediting me with the design. You know, like in the end, she did the work for it. I know how much work this stuff is. Um, And she did a beautiful job on it, but it's just a little frustrating because like class it up clients, you know, maybe I'm sensitive about it because I do have a journalism background. So I'm kind of, I really take, um, sourcing seriously and not plagiarizing and things like that. So our relationships in this industry are so strong that normally we can get past things like that. But yeah, there's people all over the country who sometimes will take pic- country and world who will take pictures of some of our greenery backdrops, especially the, our, it was all a dream neon backdrop. That was one of the first greenery backdrops we did. And one of the first neon signs we did, this was about four four or five years ago. And it's all over now. It's all over Etsy. It's all over Pinterest. It's people have YouTube videos on like how to create a a green backdrop. And it's my picture. And then they create like some crap that's actually in the video. And sometimes I'll reach out to them and ask them to remove it now. Depends on how crotchety I'm feeling. But, um, (laughs) you know, at this point, I take it seriously, but I have bigger fish to fry. I know everyone is out there trying to hustle and trying to make it happen for themselves. And I feel sorry for them if they're plagiarizing and they're not giving credit where credit's due. I don't think in the long run that that's going to result in the type of success that they're looking for. Um, I always try to be an original and I feel like being an original is where you can find success. You can be inspired by other people's work, but always try to one up it, try to do better. You know, it's not only about changing it, it's about elevating it. And um, lots of people can paint monstera leaves. Lots of people can, you know, I was inspired by 
this really pretty picture of pink monstera leaves for one of our most well-known like flamingo backdrops. But you can be inspired by those colors and make it your own. It's not about recreating other people's work. It's about having your own signature. And I hope, I hope other people realize that that's how you're going to have success, not just copy and pasting, you know? Yes. And for, for me as a creative, like when I try to find inspiration for my work, I usually start with music. Um, I have like uh, art history books and fashion history books that I usually refer to. Garrett, I lie to you not, I have bookmarks on my Instagram and my phone of things I've snapped all around the DMV or on my travels that yeah. I just pull up. Like, for example, the idea I share with you for uh, my center, that was something that I saw, I think while I was on vacation a couple of years ago, and I just stood there and said, that would be really nice. Click. <laughs> and I held on to it. Hey, which one, which, which, which one is this? The one that uh, we're talking about right now. Oh, for the summer. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so when you are thinking about the Garrett effect with your designs, uh, are you doing the same thing? Are you snapping photos? Are there certain TV shows that you watch that just kind of like spark that creativity in you? You know, I snap a lot of photos. We were just talking about copy and copy and paste versus copy and taste. I take a lot of screenshots from around the world, people, things that people have shared, things that other Instagrammable backdrops that are inspired. Um, inspire my work. These large scale floral installations that I started doing, um, there is a group in, in England and Europe called early hours. They do huge floral installations, um, for the flower show in London. And, um, they do lots of storefronts in London and they have really, really inspired me in the last couple years in the pandemic to start doing these large scale floral installations, which is a part of the, my business that I'm really excited about. Um, I don't try to recreate their work, but I see like, what materials are they using? What structure are they using? What kind of whimsy are they adding? I try to think about different products and items that can withstand weather. I'll go walk the aisles at Michael's, Joanne, Hobby Lobby, Uh, And just see what's the seasonal decor that I'm seeing and what do I think would be awesome in an installation. And sometimes I'll buy tons of it and I'll try to use unexpected things, you know, like uh, huge stars of Bethlehem that I saw as a Christmas decor. And I painted them all neon for an installation and used them all over this like rainbow floral installation but everyone else saw them as just gold wall decor for their house, you know, but I'm like, metal's going to withstand the elements. The shape is 3d and interesting, a little bit more interesting than like a flat laser cut. And it's really going to cause like bring out the colors that I wouldn't have had otherwise and hold the paint. So I'll walk around, I'll shop in hobby stores, things like that. Take photos. It's funny because I never really noticed anything before I was in this creative job. And now I feel like I'm finding inspiration everywhere. You know, I'll find inspiration in the pattern on a sheet and be like, that would be an awesome laser cut. I'll find inspiration, a lot of window displays, of course. Um, I had it, obviously, 
what I'm doing now, moving more into retail displays and stuff, yes, I'm inspired by other people's work. Um, but that's not really anything I had thought about prior. I would be like, oh, that's a cool window display. And now I think, okay, what materials did they use? What structure did they use? Is that something I could create? How can I elevate that? You know? Um, I wish I had more time to watch TV. I just watch a lot of cartoons with my kids now, which is so annoying. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm still influenced by pop culture, you know? Bridge. A lot of people asking for Bridgerton stuff these days. Wisteria. Wisteria I've had in my inventory for years is suddenly like a hot ticket item. Um, yeah, I, I get a lot of inspiration. I mean, I'm from Honolulu and Los Angeles. So I get a lot of inspiration from my background and my home states and the ocean and just that whole vibe, that light airy fun vibe that is just a little bit more interesting than maybe typically what you'd think in northern virginia you know what i mean where i live so um i try i take inspiration from a lot of people who i follow who i love and i'm inspired by but i also take inspiration from my own background yeah and i love how you said like the whole bridgerton because i love how Bridgerton created that whimsy as well. And then when you mentioned the retail windows, I find myself, um, Garrett, when I go to New York, I always stop by Macy's. Uh, what are the other windows? I think Nordstrom. Yeah, I love those windows. Bloomingdale. Oh, North. Yeah. You know, I always stop by their windows for inspiration or just like finding street art, whether it's here in the DMV area or in New York or other areas. I just love the inspo that graffiti can give because even though yeah. it's chaos to the, those who are looking at it from a blind eye, it's actually beautiful mixed mediums of color and perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, I found getting my laser cutter has really empowered me to kind of amp up my designs. Um, and that laser cutter was also a little bit of a happy accident. I had a laser cutter I used. He was in... Alabama years ago, just for like monograms and generic stuff for a flower wall. And he was getting divorced and he was, he had a farm and his wife was getting the farm and he was like, I don't have anywhere for my laser cutter. And he's like, and no one down here wants to buy it from me. I mean, people probably regret it now. So he sold it to me for like 4,000 bucks and I paid for his truck and he drove it up here. He stayed with us for a week and he taught me how to use it. My husband hates strangers. He's like, why is this guy staying with us? And now he's like, Uncle Rob, Uncle Rob's visiting. <laughs> but um, yeah, I talked him into letting me buy that. And I'm still teaching myself how to use it. But now when I see something like graffiti, I myself know I'm not a graffiti artist. My partner, Thomas, is a very talented artist. But we all know where our limits are. But I know I can laser cut really cool, like, urban fonts and graffiti inspired fonts and do really amazing paint work on it. Um, and that's inspired a lot of our, uh, some people's favorite birthday parties that we've done and things like that. Um, yeah. And finding inspiration in things I never even looked at when I was sitting at a desk all day, you know, and now I can see something and be inspired by it and bring something to life that I would have walked right past in my old career, you know, and it's really cool. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned how you use your resources to find your new talent with the laser cutting. Uh, are there any 
new projects that are coming up either for you personally or for Brightly Ever After that you would like to share on the podcast? Uh, so... I'm pretty excited about the large-scale floral installations we're doing. We're getting more and more requests for them, and I know that we're potentially going to be doing one with you this summer. That is bringing me a lot of passion and excitement because it's bringing people a lot of joy, you know? And it it harkens back to where we started with the flower wall rentals, Um, but it just takes it up like 50 notches, and it's inspiring me also to get my contractor's license. So I'm working on getting my contractor's license because I want to feel just a little bit more comfortable when I'm working inside restaurants or people's homes or retail places, when I'm drilling into walls or hanging. I want to know what's behind the walls. I want to know the best anchors to use. I want to expand my knowledge. I mean, I never thought I'd get my contractor's license, right? But because we're moving towards these floral displays, as well as the custom Instagrammable just backdrops, I just, I want to have as many tools as my, in my arsenal as I need to do the best work that I can, you know? And um, so I'm excited about those floral installations. I'm excited about getting my contractor's license. Um, And I'm excited about taking a few weeks off. I don't have that much work in June. I'm taking some weeks off. And in all honesty, we haven't had a big break. Um, the first few weeks of COVID, we lost so much work because the event industry shut down and that lasted for several months, but we pivoted and we started doing those retail installations and we started doing those floral installations. And that's how that all came to fruition, holiday installations, etc. But that means we've never had a break. So. Um, that's kind of a lame answer, but you know, when all, when all these people are getting their nails done to match the event, I am not, I am not, <laughs> I'm spray painting outside in the snow or I am laser cutting in a garage and it's 90 degrees or I have a baby attached to me, you know, so taking a little time off while also doing some large scale installations is making me excited. Um, but yeah. Well, I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see what my brain and your brain dreams up this year for Village at Leesburg and seeing all your other projects. And now that we've like come to the end of our interview, Garrett, I do have a couple quick fire questions for you. Okay, 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 okay. And this is the top of the dome. So it's the first thought that comes to your mind. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you were a superhero, what powers would you have? Ew. You know, I don't, I feel like time travel. Is that a superhero power? It is a superhero power. Yeah. I would love, and it's not really to see the future. I would love to go back in time with the knowledge I have now. Not necessarily the skills, but the knowledge of the outcome of things. Um, I don't want to change the path of my life by any means, but I would love to maybe change how I handled a couple situations, uh, maybe change a couple choices I made. And I'd love to be able to cherish moments a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. both with my mom, maybe on the beach in Hawaii growing up. <laughs> um, I, it, it took me a long time to have my second son chance. And I went through a lot of losses there. And I, I mean, I wouldn't trade him for the world, you know, but I would love to relive that time a little bit with a little less despair and a little more hope. Um, 
Yeah. Time oh. travel. I Time think. travel. All right. So you and the hubby got date night. You got a babysitter. You're out for karaoke night. What song or rap will you just like, Gary, you just body at karaoke night? Oh, gosh. You know, I am just not that cool. You so are I would, cool. <laughs> I would have to say Rocket Man, Elton John. I just remember the first time I ever heard that song, and it is just such a banger. <laughs> totally irrelevant lyrics, but it just brings it brings so much joy to my heart every time I hear it. Um, my husband was so embarrassed the other day because okay, my husband is super into '90s rap. She was like Eminem in the '90s, in, and in high, in college, he looks like Eminem, and everyone makes fun of him. But we, uh, I'm just very not cool, and. <laughs> I was at a, a birth. I was at a party at my friend's house, and he was like, "What's your number one rap song of all time?" And I was like, "Um, here comes the hot stepper." And everyone was like, <laughs> "Uh." And my husband was like, "How are you married to me? I'm horrified right now. Like, I am horrified." I was like, "I'm so sorry." So yeah, that's not a great. That's not a great answer. But I just love "Rocket Man" by Elton John. It just makes me happy every time I hear it. And I know. You know that as long as it makes you happy, that's the most important thing. And then the last question I have for you, Garrett, if you were a coffee, because this is coffee with Yvonne, what kind of coffee would you be? What is Garrett's brew? You know, my brew is caramel macchiato, iced caramel macchiato from Starbucks. It's just, it's not too sweet. It's not too bitter. And I feel like it embodies me too. Like I have a little bit of a saber tongue, but I'm also a nice person. And I feel like you don't really get tired of me. You could handle it every day a little bit, you know, maybe a grande a day. Venti might be too much, but uh, yeah, iced caramel macchiato, a little bit of fun, a little bit of like espresso straight to the point, you know, that's me. Perfect. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me for coffee. That was awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. First podcast ever. Oh my gosh. I did it. I did the first podcast interview with Garrett. Yay. I am honored. I am honored. Hopefully you'll be the first of many. I'd love to visit with you again sometime. Yay. So how can people find out more about, I know where to find you, but how can people find out more about you and your business? You know, we I would say my number one spot is Instagram and I probably need to rely less heavily on it, but uh, that's where we post all of our current work, upcoming work, Instagram stories. I'm very active in um, it's at brightly ever after on Instagram, uh, our website, www.brightlyeverafter.com. Um, I need to update it. It's very old school, but uh, that's where you can find a little bit more of our story my dad is 92 now. He's still working with the biz, but um, he's not as active as he used to be, but he's doing great. And he's, he's, uh, it's just been such a blessing to be with him, you know, so you can find out a little bit more of our story on the website. And um, that's it, really. Oh. Our, our, our handles for social media are at Brightly Ever After. Perfect. Well, Gary, thank you so much for everything. I really appreciate your time and I'll chat with you soon. Thanks, Yvonne. That was great. You're welcome. Hugs, hugs, hugs. <laughs> Can't wait to do awesome things with you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Wasn't she awesome? I know you can feel like the color oozing through her aura, like through this podcast. 
Anyway, thank you for joining me for today's chat. I really appreciate you sticking with me today, especially since, like I shared, beginning of the episode, it was not the best week, but I gave it what I could so I could be there for you guys every week because I told you I would give you all of my energy the best way I can. To learn more about me and my business, check out Pink Dollhouse Marketing. My website is pinkdollhousemarketing.com, or you can follow my business page on Instagram. Guess what? It's called Pink Dollhouse Marketing. And thank you again to our sponsors, Black Nerd Coffee and PG County Apparel. Thank you for your patience. Talk to you soon. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Dollhouse Marketing. You can catch the latest episodes by subscribing to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.